on SAFM. Burnout, 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 particularly of concern also as healthcare workers in the most trying of circumstances, even resources. Now we understand that workers who are there at Charlotte Matlaika, particularly nurses, in the time they're not going to be reporting to work at Charlotte Matlaika, potentially, at least according to the union, are not going to be paid in the time. All of this adds to the anxiety of the frontline workers who really have been national heroes, all of them worthy of awards. It puts them under pressure, burnout being the result. Something our public health care and health care in general can least afford. Prof. Bonga, Kaliza, your words on that. Thank you so much for joining us. Good evening, first and foremost. Uh, good evening, and Thank you so much for, for having us um, this evening. And I think uh, I would really want to say thank you for putting mental health on the spotlight uh, this evening. Your thoughts on that? I mean, the anxieties that healthcare workers clearly would be under, they have had to figure themselves out at the coalface of it all at a time where nobody knew what COVID-19 was. Thankfully, more than not, are still standing and are still in their jobs helping South Africa fight. For the most part, a fight that we have been able to triumph over. I mean, if you look at our numbers against the rest of the world, it doesn't say we don't have serious challenges in the public health care space and health care in general in the country. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think um, I think we're living in a, in a digital age, luckily for us, where the young doctors, nurses are able to um, record what's happening uh, on social media, and and uh, there's been a huge outpouring, uh, outcry of, of of the frontline workers saying that um, they are extremely anxious. They are working under extremely tiring um, conditions, and I think last year particularly there was a, a huge cry that they are working without enough physical protection, the so-called PPEs. Mm. Everyone kind of now knows about. Um, so w- when we tried to reach out to them, to speak to them, to say how we can help, um, that was always the first cry to say, make sure that we are protected, you know. Um, very much like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yes. make sure that we are protected physically <laughs> so that we don't get this pandemic, this virus. And then they were then worrying a lot and anxious about the extreme number of hours that they're working, the fact that they were not allowed to take leave, during the heights of the pandemic mm-hmm. and um, feeling really exhausted and wondering how many mistakes that they've made um, during the course of their work because of their just sheer physical exhaustion. With the threat of a COVID-19 third wave in the country, we can expect more of that rhetoric to become a reality for the very same people. Yeah, that is that is the issue, right? I think um, what we saw during the second wave um, was that it came a little bit sooner than we expected it. Um, if you recall, there was mm. that, um, those parties in Balito and other places of young ones, um, matriculants, who, which kind of um, rage, brought, yeah. On, yeah, brought on the second wave a little bit earlier. So a lot of us, uh, well, healthcare workers, we're still thinking, sure, we're going to have a, an early um, December, you know, rest a bit before we get the second wave in January following the December holidays. And so... People were just physically exhausted, they're emotionally exhausted, and I think that's what um, is a combination that really, really leads to burnout. Um, so the second wave was particularly harsh, I think, on a lot of our colleagues. We lost a lot of people as well um, during the second wave, and so we are very apprehensive, actually, uh, really worrying about what's going to happen during the third wave.
But before even we talk about the third wave and the realities that it's going to obviously occasion for the country, right now there are many people who would be suffering. And in fact, they might be suffering without even knowing they are suffering. It has become so normal now, given the fact that they've been on the treadmill and running full throttle since. How do we just give ourselves, and not just healthcare workers, but society at large, people who have obviously had upended everything that they knew as normal back then, only this time last year. Now, suddenly, the world has changed and changed probably forever in many respects. How do we find ourselves a moment to just get out of this fast lane that we are in and reboot systems so that, one, we are in just a better mental shape and, two, in a better shape to challenge and take on if it should come the third wave? Yeah, I think the... I think maybe just take a year a step back because we're talking about about healthcare workers. Uh, we always say to our colleagues that these are the very people that did extreme exceptionally well in in high school. They, you know, they got into medical school, they got into nursing colleges. Um, the bright stars, if you were, um, of 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 young people, the driven guys, the ones that work really really hard. So, if you ask them to stop and take a break and take care of themselves, they find that a bit foreign. Um, so in the last year, we've had to tell our junior doctors, tell our nurses, our frontline workers that um, it's okay for you to stop and take care of yourself. It's okay for you to take a break and do some of the things that um, will make you feel good again. Um, so, you know, for you know, obviously that is different for different people, but um, certainly a lot of us are no longer... Um, poo-pooing these doctors that do yoga, that do what we call mindful, mindful kind of exercises um, and experiences, we find that actually that is the one thing that has gotten a lot of young doctors through. Um, a lot of young doctors have said, for example, exercise or going for hikes in those that live in places where they can do that uh, safely in the green spaces has been fantastic for their mental health. So. We are, that's the kinds of things that we are asking our, our frontline workers to do, to, to, to give themselves permission to take care of themselves for a change. How do we spot those vulnerable employees? How do we spot those vulnerable colleagues? How do we uh, spot those vulnerable employers? I mean, when you talk about mental health, and particularly from a psychiatric perspective, there would be signs that one could typically be on the lookout for such that this one is at risk of burnout or just some other mental breakdown. Sure, that's a, it's a, it's a very good, good question. Um, I think what I would want to say about that is that the, the WHO, the World Health Organization, um, which we look up to to kind of define these things, have said that um, burnout is not a an illness per se or a disorder, but it is perhaps um, a condition that predisposes people to have serious mental illnesses. And the, they define it as a um, condition where there's extreme exhaustion, um, where people just feel ex- extremely tired. Um, they are associated with distress. And I think importantly, which um, is quite interesting, is that they feel that they just do not feel the need or they, they don't feel that they've accomplished enough at work. Um, they don't have that sense of personal accomplishment. So when these three things are um, kind of um, gathered together in one person, 
you find that um, that individual becomes a little bit detached. Um, they become a little bit callous, which of course is quite serious if you are a medical doctor or a nurse, if you are not caring as much as you can um, for your patients. And so our doctors and nurses kind of um, perhaps are the ones that are more likely to make mistakes at work, um, the, more, the ones that are more likely to uh, treat our clients or patients with uh, a little bit uh, more rudeness. And um, so those are the, some of the sort of the early signs, uh, if you may, of, 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 of burnout. But what we know is that burnout is also associated then with the more serious mental illnesses. So a large number of people that doctors and nurses that are depressed or anxious or requiring medication for serious um, major depressive disorder um, are also uh, burnt out. Or a large number of people uh, that are nurses and doctors that um, turn to alcohol and drugs, you find that are also um, associated with burnout. So of course. This is why we think this is such an important thing to to deal with, and 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 the corollary of that is people at home, spouses, partners, parents, children, extended family, you name it, community members, even who to an extent would be affected by the well-being of those they hold dear. So if you like, the vicious cycle is not just on the individual who bears the burnout oneself, but obviously the support systems would be stretched or potentially could be stretched. The effect it would have on children who are of school-going age, particularly in primary school, and a parent has been as absent as COVID would have demanded of a particular parent. So therefore, the structure of the family to that extent is as threatened by one member of that family suffering a burnout. A case, therefore, has to be made for how families could and should be supported. Um, 100%, I would not agree with you more. I mean, we have uh, friends who are single mothers, actually, um, who are nurses and in high care or ICU, and who've you know, reached out to us and said, sure, it is such a difficult, stressful time that you're working longer hours, you're working much, much more stressful environments. But you can't even really reach out to your extended family, your cousins or your sisters and brothers to get help um, with your with your kids because they're also now um, scared of this virus that you may be bringing home from your work. So that is, I think, one of the, the most difficult things about this pandemic is that um, I remember clearly when I was a young doctor working in the HIV during the height of HIV in the 1990s, mm-hmm. um, late 90s, at least one could go home, right? And you just be away from that horrible situation. Now, um, our young doctors and nurses are really struggling because they can't go home and because they're also stigmatized. Um, uh, you know, families are scared of them and they also constantly worry that they may be bringing home virus that we are all trying to deal with. Today. You mentioned stigma and stigmatization. I mean, this always seems to be a theme that recurs itself whenever we are faced with a, a health crisis of the kinds of proportions that a national and global pandemic is, as was HIV and AIDS in those early days. It still is a challenge, but certainly not as much as it is now. But stigmatization seems to be a recurring theme. What about the healthcare space that should happen but isn't happening, or in the public space at large that should happen but isn't happening, that creates this lacuna, this environment for stigmas to thrive, particularly around conditions that really don't merit stigma? So I, I think one of the, 
sure. It's 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 a million dollar question. If I knew the answer to that, I, I think I'd do really well as a researcher. But my beef about about stigma is that um, we just don't do enough um, to educate the public um, about the different things. Um, what we do know is that um, countries where they've done massive public awareness campaigns um, on mental illness, for example, where they've used for example, in the UK, where they've used um, the royal family, you know, as an example of of of, of the people that can have depression, anxiety, um, seem to have improved knowledge, and uh, with a, with improvement of knowledge of of the different illnesses that um, are stigmatized, there's some in some people there's a definite change in behaviour. Um, a lot of people are scared of things that they don't know, um, and so if you are able to improve the knowledge, you can also change change the behaviour. Let's talk about the telltale signs of somebody then who, not the telltale signs because I've asked that question, I beg your pardon, but one who feels as though they are burnt out. My producer suggesting that she might be feeling burnt out. I don't disagree with her. She's worked very hard, and I feel at some point that I'm just there physically, but mentally I'm not nearly as charged in some of the spaces that I occupy as I on my own would want to, never mind am required to. How then does one get oneself out of the potential rut, if not the rut itself, of being drawn, I mean drawn down, feeling down, depressed even, or just simply burnt out? How does one get out of that? So I think the, the I think one is to obviously recognize that you are burnt out um, and and recognize that um, you know one needs to change something. Um, one of the things that um, I, I would suggest is is if someone is feeling burnt out is just take a break, take some leave. Whenever I speak to colleagues about leave, they laugh at me. They say, "But Uzoya, Piprof, where are you gonna go? You can't go anyway." But there's nothing wrong with taking leave and just taking a break and being around at home and, and, and go for walks during the day and go to a park or something like that and just, you know, and exhale a bit um, and release some of those some of those stresses. Um, and the, perhaps the you might want to establish the distinction between taking leave, in other words, not reporting for work, and taking leave and taking a break simultaneously because there are many people who will not be reporting to the office but are doing anything but effectively taking leave. They will be on their computers trying to catch up on assignments from previous years. They will be trying to read up because it relaxes them and then it gets them to think about issues. They'll be listening to SAFM and being cerebral in thought and engaging on these not toxic issues, but these issues that are very heavy, that are not consistent with one taking a break. How does one take an effective break for the purposes of recharging? Sure. Yeah, no, I agree with you that obviously if you're going to be <laughs> still on your laptop and ch- catching up on different assignments, that's definitely not taking a break. But um, for some of us, reading, it, it does take a break. Um, we, you know, we make sure that we read things that are not uh, academic texts things that one would not normally read that will take you away for a little bit. Um, yeah, there's no doubt that um, if you can and you are able to afford to do that, perhaps even um, physically leaving your space and going elsewhere, perhaps um, to the Drakensberg or something like change that. Change of environment, yeah. Change of environment is often very, very good. Um, but I wanna, what I want to say also something is that mm. if the persistence, if they are symptoms of depression and anxiety that are persistent, then obviously one should then seek um, professional help. And we always say that you should start with um, your your GP or your 
primary care clinic and then if that person feels that you require mental health physician a practitioner they're like a psychologist or psychiatrist then they will refer you to to that so i, I do think that um of course um you know depression and anxiety does require proper care as well let's leave it there professor bonga Tiliza, thank you so much sir for your time head of psychiatry at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. Burnout among healthcare workers during COVID-19. And I suppose if ever there's something you can take out of this conversation simply is be kind. You don't know what people are going through out there. Just be kind, particularly employers who might create these toxic environments. Be kind and be very sure. You might be an employer today. Tomorrow you'll be an employee to somebody who's worse than what you were to that employee. Be kind never will do you any harm. Be kind. Be kind. And with that, good evening.